0: What is going on, guys? So first, I want to say thank you so much for the great feedback already on the podcast. I'm very excited about it. We've got some amazing guests coming up, but today is a listener request as far as a and a on all things training. So um, a couple of you have sniffed it out that I may or may not be prepping. I'm obviously going to come back in 2021. I felt like after the Arnold last year, I didn't really get to display my best. Um, And with COVID and things shutting down last minute, my body was like, no, we're not hanging on. We're not doing the up and down. We can't do, you know, diet breaks and then push and then diet break and then push and, you know, be ready. My body just didn't respond well to that. So at the end of the day, um, I pulled out, started reverse, really focused on continuing to grow and hoping uh, that things would be different come 2021. So here we are. Um, it's been some time and I am working with Dylan Bear. So if you guys didn't catch that, yes, I am. And no, there is no bad blood. I know that you guys come and you think there's gossip. And I know that there's a lot of drama in the bodybuilding world in general. Uh, but one thing that I would really encourage you guys to pay attention to is the good coaches know who the good coaches are. And we aren't in this against one another. We're all here to do the right thing, which is help more people people give them education show them a better way and when you see coaches that are doing that it's not a oh I dislike that guy Um, you know most coaches know who the shitty coaches are and there's some edge there um, but I can promise you Paul would not let me work with anyone that was not a quality coach that could I could learn from and that would take care of me Um, he's You know, someone that's been there for me and and molded me into the coach that I am, the person uh, that I aim and strive to to become better as um, in the coaching world. And as a as a person, he's he's impacted my life in so many ways that, you know, I could deep dive into on a podcast at some point. Um, But. I came into this world from horrible coaching i mean that's why i'm here um and that's why we set out with the mission that we did with pro physique and you know i always tell paul if you guys have seen scandal um you know that we're gonna just gonna keep doing the right thing wear the white hats um keep you know trying to make the movement positive try keep trying to educate and touch people um and do the right things and, and show people a better way and that you yes, prep is hard, but you don't have to suffer and do crazy things. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to get as unhealthy um, as it is for some people. And it gets quite extreme. And that's where I come from. And, you know, that's why my passion is so, so large for what I do and how I do it. And, the way that we go about things, and of course, every coach has their niche specific in the way that they coach and interact, in the things that they they do. Um, for me, you guys know if you follow me at all, uh, I'm a nerd of everything. I want to learn everything. I want to know why about everything. Um, my undergrad is a, a B.S. in biology, concentration in pharmaceuticals, so I'm very aware of you know metabolic pathways and how medicine and supplements um, interact with those pathways. You know that's that's something that I was really good at as far as biology, chemistry, and pharmacology. Um, and then I got my master's at the University of South Florida, where I. Started Studied under Dr. Campbell, got to lead some really cool research and, um, you know, it's anecdotal insight um, from coaches that kind of steer research. So I think that, you know, people that are like, you have to have education and research um, to be a qualified coach. Well, no, Um, you know, sometimes it's the anecdote that leads to those studies. And so you have to have a good balance of both. You have to have the eye for it. You have to understand physiology and then you have to, you know, troubleshoot and and problem solve in your own brain because, you know, a lot of research isn't directed towards the bodybuilding community. Um, It is directed towards, you know, clinical research and obese people um, as we fight this obesity pandemic. You know, diabetics, um, people with severe health issues, um, in the masses. So being able to take insight and apply it um, while understanding what you've seen, having basic physiology backgrounds and understanding metabolic functions and physiological functions and, and the goals that you have for your clients. And then being able to interpret all these different pieces of information that you know and, and put it together. It's a puzzle. And to me, that's fascinating. I love it. Um, and that's why I am who I am and, and I do what I do. So um, without further ado, I won't uh, continue to elaborate, but um, I just wanted to clear that up as far as, you know, coaching and why that happened. Paul, Dylan and I all got on a phone call together we had a very thorough discussion Um, we're all on the same team we're doing the right things Um, it's a collaborative effort you know Paul and I I I think Paul couldn't get rid of me unless he really wanted to I guess Um, but you know he's 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 in it for the long haul with with this one Um, and I love the guy to death so no bad blood there so everybody that's looking for drama you will not find it here Um, however, I do want to continue to kind of talk about a lot of people who have guessed. Am I gonna prep? Yes, uh, this year I definitely am. And so I am conflicted about which platform to kind of share that on. Um, and and if you guys want me to open up about it. So uh, let me know. Comment on my Instagram page, shoot me a message, um, maybe I'll put a post up or a poll and, and let you guys decide. You know, do you want it on YouTube? Do you want it on the podcast? I know that Dylan wants to come on and talk about how we're prepping me and how that's going. And so I'd love to have him featured a little bit more frequently. And again, you know, he's awesome with his, his, his RD background as someone that I can learn from as far as nutrition and, and diving into that aspect of it. Right. So I'm always looking to learn, you know, I'm, I'm investing in these people to mentor me, to make me the best coach. I mean, that's my goal. It's kind of scary, you know, to say out loud, especially as a woman in this sport, uh, as a coach and, you know, there aren't a lot of top female coaches. Um, but I aim to be that, you know, I came, I, I came into this with a passion and, you know, I'm not giving up. I won't quit. Um, and so that's why I continue to learn and evolve. You know, I learned from my mistakes and my goal is never to make the same mistake twice. I think a lot of people act like they have this chip on their shoulder, like they've always been the perfect coach from day one. And I'm here to tell you everybody's fucked up multiple times. Um, that's how you get better. It's like taking your first exam in, in trigonometry. Did you ace it the first time you walked into a classroom? Probably not, um, but you fucked up and then it, all of a sudden you started to connect the dots and the lessons that you learned along the way um, to apply all of those lessons um, and improve. So, That's, you know, what I'm doing here. That's the big goal. So, you know, as I get into 2021, and I start dieting down, again, whichever platform you guys feel, um, you would like to hear me on or or learn from me or just watch my story or whatever, if you have interest in that, always reach out and share, you know, I'm, I'm again, just kind of looking for the best possible way for me to do that for you guys. Um, but now into the, the important part of the episode, I posted on my story a little bit about, you know, training and I'm changing some things up with my training and I got a ton of questions about training in general. So I want to talk about what my programming looks like, when you should change programming, And you know how to kind of pay attention to the biofeedback that you're getting. So one aspect of training that I see completely underrated um, and underacknowledged is indeed tracking your own training progress. Um, One thing I've started, you know, talking about, and I talk about more vocally because I see a lot of people don't pay attention to it. We love to hyperfocus on the nutrition. Are you hitting your macros? Are you not hitting your macros? If you're not hitting your macros, and that's why, right? And pinpointing it to one. Um, part of the puzzle is where we're going wrong is what I see people going wrong with how is your training are you like is your progress just shitting the bed are you not making progress are you going backwards how is your recovery are you paying attention to that Um, and so these are variables that I very much pay attention to with my clients um, to get a full picture of what's going on Um, so one thing that if you're not doing this I highly suggest you you start to is keep a logbook of your training sessions note how many sets you're doing, note the rep ranges that you're working in and note the load that you're utilizing Um, and aim to beat that with progressive overload over time. So we could do more reps you could add sets, even though too much volume is is not going to be beneficial, Um, or you want to be able to increase the weight. And some people are like, oh, it's only a two and a half pound plate yeah, that's five pounds on each side. That's five pounds to your lift. That's awesome. That is progress, right? It's not about jumping from 10 pounds to 25 pounds to 45 pounds every single lift. I mean, if you're doing that, then you probably weren't training hard enough to start with. And so there are going to be micro progressions along the way. And you need to pay attention to how you're recovering and how performance is. And then we talk about progressive overload and some people will take that and just try to lift as heavy as possible with horrible form. Um, and so you have to remember that if you're not executing the movement pattern properly, you're not getting the return on that investment that you should be. You could develop compensation patterns and your effectiveness um, and efficiency in that movement is not going to be the way that you want. It's going to be subpar. Um, and again, you're not going to be getting out of that training session, what you should be, because you're not putting in on the proper, on the front side, um, you know, proper execution in your movement pattern. So, you know, working with someone to break that down is something I would highly suggest doing. I did that. Um, I hired somebody to take forefront of my training that was really hands-on you know he specialized in training um, and that's what he does and so you know being able to learn from him and look at my videos and have the feedback now I understand queuing I know how to get myself you know cue properly for my compound movements which I did not before um, I had to break that down and swallow my pride and really start from from square one but that's only benefited me so much more now with you know where I'm at in my training and the progressions that I'm seeing and being able to effectively you know move through an entire range of motion and incorporate overload principle which has just been a game changer overall in my body composition so if you're not doing that i mean you need to take account you need to take action and be accountable um for the reasons your progress might be stalling and it may not be your nutrition there are so many other factors um and again recovery is a huge one but we don't have time for that today (laughs) um so Again, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, where I was at with training. Um, Dylan had written me a program initially, um, and we kind of collaborated on it. I told him areas that I wanted to focus my volume, what my last training program looked like. Um, And so he wrote me up a training program that I've been following um, for about 10 weeks before we decided to change things up. So one of the biggest misconceptions is that you always have to change up your training. Um, No, you get bored. Typically, uh, with training, you can run the same block for months, um, if you really want to. Now, you need to make sure that you're incorporating times to recover because again, you cannot always progressively overload every single week. Uh, There is a point of diminishing returns and there's only a maximum amount of recoverable volume and that is different from person to person. So we need to make sure that even if you love that training block, which I mean, I never really get bored, I might change a couple accessories, But my compounds stay the same. Um, And that's what we did with this training program in the adjustments that we did make was a couple things. And I wanted to change where the volume was distributed. So in the initial program, there was a lot of quad and glute work, um, obviously shoulders and lats. But for me, you know, regardless of where bikini might go, I do have my own body composition goals. And I think it will obviously help um, me with future, you know, competitions. And I I want more hamstring. I want more glute. And so I had kind of dropped the volume in the quad um, and brought more volume to my hamstring. So that's really what we changed. And then a couple of accessory movements um, to aid in, in the different body parts that I'm working, shoulders and lats. But again, I'm still targeting them with the same amount of volume. In the other adjustment that we made um, is I wanted to work in, at a higher intensity. So In order to do that, you can't always just work at a heavy load and do eight reps, 10 reps, 12 reps, depending on where you're at. You know, if you're going to increase the intensity, meaning the load um, closer to my one rep max, we need to drop some of the volume off. And so um, we dropped reps um, down. So in my heavier sets, uh, my working heavier load sets, um, what other people call top sets where you're in that three to five, seven rep range, um, you know, I'm giving max effort there um, and then I'll drop set or um, just leave those as my working sets, but you can't do that for every exercise. And so the layout um, has to be distributed appropriately as well. So um, that's what I wanted. I really have been loving my sumo deadlift. Um, I want to try to pull 300 this coming week. So I'm very excited to venture into that. Um, And for me, uh, I like to keep the intensity high, especially with where my food is at right now. It's high enough to where my performance is supported. I have pre-post and intro workout, um, making sure that my performance in recovery are being optimized um, as as far as a nutritional standpoint. Um, Outside of that, I do a lot of mobility work to make sure um, that I am recovering and not promoting any injuries. Um, And of course, I am a grandma, so I get plenty of sleep at night. I'm usually in bed by 930. Um, I'm a morning person, so I get up nice and early, um, you know, and that's just what works best for me. So a lot of times people get bored with training, but I'm going to tell you if you're really aiming to progress, uh, the people that have the longest longevity and the best results are people that keep, they stick to the basics, they keep it simple. They're going to work within their compound movements. They're going to keep a deadlift, a squat, an overhead press, um, you know, a pull up, a pulling movement, if you will. Um, and they're going to continue to overload those over time. Um, and so you see the best people really stick to the basics and they might change up a couple accessories. Maybe you have a movement pattern that you feel more in a specific part of your body um, and you should be paying attention to that. So one thing that I screen my clients for is movement patterns that really mesh with them, right? Because everybody's leverages, um, their their structure is going to be different. And so one thing that you might really feel in your glutes, right? somebody else might struggle with. Um, and again, that also t- comes with the load that you can bear. Um, if you have a muscle that is underdeveloped, you might have compensation patterns. For example, hip thrust. I see this a lot in girls that don't have super strong glutes. They can't do a heavy hip thrust without feeling it in their quads or hamstrings. Um, and so breaking that down, getting to a weight in, in, a, in a rep scheme that really targets the glute, um, where the foot position is correct, um, finding that m- modality that really targets that movement pattern is going to aid in the stimulus that you're providing um, to generate the adaptation that you want to see. Um, so a lot of personalized programming is quite difficult to do. Um, and that's why a lot of coaches don't necessarily put that product out there um, because it does take a lot of information and time to write that. Um, but you should be screening for those s- certain things. And again, um, if it's something that you start to really pay attention to in your training, you know you should know what exercise, what muscle you're, you're working with. Otherwise, you're just doing a movement pattern and you're not really sure you know, what the major muscle group is that you're working and you're probably not going to be effective at generating that mind muscle connection. So Make sure um, that when you're going through a movement and you're intentional with it, Uh, you're going with every set um, and every rep with intention. I know a lot of people wait till the last two reps to feel any type of fatigue um, and on some level, again, depending on the intensity that you're working at and everybody can do this differently. But if you're working at high intensity, that load that you're utilizing, you should feel from rep one. Um, and again, this is going to depend on also on training age. I've been training now um, with intention for a few years. So my training age is higher um, than somebody who's a beginner. And a beginner can really just work in compound movements. You don't have to do too much um, as far as volume is concerned. Um, and they'll see great body composition changes in results. Um, over time, the amount of volume that you need and the stimulus that you need has to increase um, to generate a further adaptation. So For me, I can work um, at a pretty good intensity. Um, I can also tolerate a good amount of volume at this point in my career. But um, initially, I didn't need that much. And you also have to understand when you manipulate these different variables, you have to make an adjustment somewhere else. So again, increasing the load at which I'm utilizing closer to my 1RM, I have to take some volume out somewhere. I can't do 10 sets and I can't do... 15 to 20 reps so that high low I mean you couldn't do that anyways it wouldn't be that close to your one rm but you know what I'm saying you can't have a bunch of junk volume you're never going to recover and so being very intentional with each rep each set um, utilizing it and generating enough metabolic fatigue to drive the adaptation um, it should be what you're thinking about when you're going into your training sessions you should have you know a good idea of where you're at what you need um, and, and what you're training for obviously I'm training for hypertrophy I also really enjoy strength I like to utilize a combination, which is why, you know, last cycle I was doing a little bit more volume, um, a little bit lower intensity higher reps, more sets. Um, This time I'm bringing down uh, the rep ranges and doing it at a higher intensity, keeping sets pretty stable um, depending on the exercise. Again, compounds haven't changed um, and the majority of my exercises are actually the exact same. The only thing that I've done is substituted a couple quad movements for a little bit more hamstring um, and made a little bit of uh, changes to movement patterns just because I feel them a little bit better but I understand which uh, muscle group that I am targeting with those movements. So it's easy for me to say, hey Dylan, I really Feel this instead of this over this. And we're going to change this here. Okay, cool. But the majority, I'll say 90% of the program is the same, um, other than making those volume adjustments. So again, you don't have to have a brand new program every four weeks because you're bored. Um, you need to kind of look at your training. If you're being intentional and training at a high intensity, every training session should be hard and it should be fun. Um, I love training. I have been, like I said, I've been doing the same program now um, for 10 weeks and I'll do it again for another cycle. Um, you know, depending on how recovery and performance go, especially with higher intensity, I'll probably need to add in a rest day. Um, so again, I'll just pay attention to that, but don't be afraid to do that either. You need to pay attention to biofeedback. You can't train every day. Remember that you do need days off to recover, especially if your intensity is high enough. You will not be able to perform um, without adequate rest. So, that's what uh, you want to look at when you're getting into, you know, training and making adjustments biofeedback is incredibly important i knew that the message sometimes on social media is keep going train hard you should be dead every every you know you should be i mean you should feel every workout for sure um but if you're waking up in the morning feeling like shit your performance starts to suffer you're not sleeping you're achy all the time you're irritable um and you're you're not enjoying the gym, like there's a lot of funky shit going on there and you need to get that handled and communicate. Um, Communication is so important um, and making sure that you're paying attention to your own biofeedback and being realistic with yourself. I know a lot of people struggle to take days off. I'm the same way. You know, sidebar, a big reason why I have a coach, despite how nerdy I may be. Number one, I have a lot to learn. And number two, I am just as susceptible as you guys are to feel like I'm not doing enough. That I need to do more. I need to work harder. No days off, Kate. Come on. You want to be a pro. You got to do this. It's going to be grueling. It's going to be hard. Um, I remember in college actually, um, I played division one basketball for you guys that don't know, um, and I ended my career by tearing my patellar tendon completely. And during the time when I was starting, um, I used to get you know cortisone shots, you know ice compression, you know a lot of treatment um, to be able to perform because at the end of the day, that's what you're there to do. You're there to produce. So as long as you can do that, they're going to keep you on the floor. And uh, we were running sprints one day, and I had a coach that told me, you know, they knew about my injury, and they were like, "You're going to run till your leg falls off." And me being me, I have a very high tolerance for pain and I'm actually slightly insane. So uh, I did that. I, I literally played the entire season as best I could until in a game, a uh, collision happened. I was taken out by a six foot four post player, um, landed on my knee wrong, completely tore the tendon at that point, And that pretty much ended my career. Uh, but I, 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 will, I have the tendency to be very extreme um, and I have no uh, sensitivities to my own pain. And so I'm willing to suffer for a lot of things and you don't have to suffer. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you're so disciplined. And no, it's, it's like this crazy part of my brain where I can tap into it and it's dark and it's grueling. And, it, you know, I don't really have that care for myself to be like, whoa, Nellie, like that's a lot. And so that's why, you know, I have coaches and I'm very honest about my own blind spots. You know, that's what coaches are there for. You have to acknowledge your own blind spots. And I always talk about being self-aware understanding where your shorts where your shortcomings are so you know one of the biggest things for me is being honest with where my blind spots are and then communicating that with my coach that's why paul and i made such a good team um he could see my blind spots it's like getting in a car you know you have blind spots you're aware of them you should check them quite often and i know a lot of people that don't um and so you know having a coach you can communicate with and say hey and they'll learn you over time trust me you can pretty much read between your clients ears if if you know if you know them well enough you take the time to get to know them um, you can kind of read their thoughts and and see where their thought process is going before they actually say it out loud Um, so it's really cool to build those types of relationships with people Um, but for me you know I need someone to tell me to chill out I need someone to tell me take a rest day Um, and we're all kind of susceptible to those things so being realistic with, you know, where you're at and what you can tolerate, especially as a natural athlete. And Dylan and I did an awesome podcast on PEDs and bikini and all that stuff. You know, I think one of the biggest um, things that would make me want to go that route is recovery. I love to train. It's very therapeutic for me. It's one of those things where, you know, I take my daily stress out in the gym. It allows me to just be one with myself um, to get into that those stressful parts of my brain, you know, those those traumatic areas that you everybody has dark places that they've been through. They live through their own scars like that's a way for me to kind of work that out um, and it, it lifts me up and I, I feel better about the day and I can show up for people and you know I'm not saying that's the best thing but it is it's real for me so anyways now i'm rambling about stuff you guys may not want to know um but always being self-aware i I can't preach that loud enough you know i think a lot of people struggle to to play the victim and blame other people for poor habits and poor choices um when really you just need a lot more self-awareness um because once you can see where your thought process start to go you can troubleshoot them you can stop them from happening you're like i don't want to be that person anymore and i can see that my tendency is going down that rabbit hole and we got to stop that so you know, that's what I would suggest people really spend time and reflect on why they're not where they want to be, you know, where their shortcomings are, you know, what they believe and talk about and, and think about themselves. I mean, all these things manifest. Um, so, you know, there's that side of things. So yes, um, being able to have somebody that can see your blind spots, um, is really, really, really important. So, um, People ask about circuits in supersets. Um, I personally don't mind supersetting. Again, I like you know one intentional exercise and then one accessory to fatigue. Right, a lot of people don't understand how to train close to failure. If you've never actually failed in an exercise, and I mean mechanical failure, not mental failure. Um, you don't know what that feels like. And so having supersets for people, um, to really drive exhaustion and again, enough stimulus to generate that muscular fatigue is really important. So I will apply, um, some supersets just to help with that. Um, other than that, I don't like circuits. I I think that doing circuit training is more an endurance exercise. And for me specific again, to bodybuilding and the niche of that, um, I'm not into circuit training. I'm not doing it to get my heart rate up and to burn calories. I'm doing it to fucking grow uh, because I need to. So, you know, that's one thing where you have to be intentional again with your training. What does your training look like and what are your goals um, with that training session? Why are you building a training program? What is the goal of it? Um, and again, you know, someone else had asked total exercises or more reps. Um, And I think that there's a lot of junk volume out there. Uh, You don't need nine, 10, 11, 12 exercises. That's insane. Um, You can get a great workout, especially if you're being intentional and you should be pretty dead after five or six. Um, So I think that there's a lot of accessory stuff that could go, especially again, if you're just hitting the same body part with six. 17 different movements. No, let's wind it down to three exercises and really drive um, the effort and execution in those exercises. And you're going to be able to see the adaptation just fine. Um, so, uh, someone had asked about why I do sumo stance, uh, versus conventional RDL. Um, I actually do all three, uh, movements. So I do dumbbell RDLs. I'll do conventional, um, pulls and I'll do sumo and sumo is my high intensity. That is the one that I'm really trying to maximize performance, um, and strength in, um, conventional I'm not as strong in, but I do want to hit that for hamstring specific. So that was added in, um, and then dumbbell RDLs. Um, I like to do heavy, again, mostly with the hip hinge, really focusing on driving my glutes and my hams, And that's just another movement pattern. Again, that is mostly for, you know, adding total volume to that body part, but not necessarily for performance. So, you guys should know I do all of them. I don't just do one, um, but as far as strength and increasing the intensity of a movement and looking for maximum output, I definitely preferred um, for my sumo with my glutes, my quads being the main workers and drivers of that uh, movement. Um, and I did get asked if I would ever take PEDs and I kind of elaborated on that just a minute ago, um, but really I'm not Done growing. I don't believe I've hit my my maximum genetic potential, um, especially with the time that I've taken off and the progress that I've seen. Once I really got into, you know, training with intention, um, stopped fearing the weight gain, started focusing on performance, giving my best efforts, hitting nutrition, and letting my coach worry about my weigh-ins. I saw a lot more progress, and that was after one full off season. So, um, you know, I took another one a little shorter this year. I did not take a full year. um, A couple of months. But again, I never really got to the stage conditioning that I wanted to achieve. And so I started off in reverse at a much higher body fat percentage um, than someone coming right off from stage. So, you know, I wasn't fully in that and my my metabolism has responded super well. I'm actually, you know, st- I started dieting on the highest calories I've ever started dieting from. And just for clarification, that does not mean I will not have to get as low as I've ever been. Um, there is, you know, insight to say it doesn't really matter how high you get your calories in an off season. While that's great for, you know, metabolic building and purposes, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a better time dieting. In the future, um, so just thoughts on that. I know people talk about, you know, I'm eating 5,000 calories in the off season. And while that's awesome, if you were dieting on, you know, 1,400, you might have to get back down to 1,400 even though your capacity in the off season was higher. So again, it's all relative, um, but I just wanted to point that out because I know people do um, get carried away and they think somehow they're broken um, because they can't eat a bajillion calories and they still have to fry themselves um, when dieting. And it, uh, that just goes, again, to kind of show that you need to take time off, a significant time off, um, in order to kind of re reverse uh, any adaptations that have happened. And sometimes it takes a lot longer than you want it to. And I get it, competing is glorified, um, but in order to keep you healthy and to, and to get the return on that investment, I think people really need to start thinking about that phrase. Um, you know, if you really wanna put yourself through a prep, why not be set up to respond in the best way? Why not take the time off to invest and say, Hey, I'm going to suffer for the next 16 to 20 weeks, but I'm going to be able to respond instead of suffering for 52 weeks because you didn't reverse any adaptations and you're going up and down, back and forth. Um, and you're not responding, you're stressed out and then you're just getting more pissed off that you can't step on stage. You know, you really have to think about those things and weigh the pros and the cons. If you're going to invest in the process, set yourself up to be successful in the process and, uh, I know that people highlight prep in general, but uh, if it's really something that you're successful in, this is your life. Um, my life doesn't change. I eat a lot of the same foods. I know I get a lot of crap. Uh, I preach flexible dieting and I truly believe in it, but flexible dieting to me is sticking to whole nutrient-dense foods, um, eating mostly whole foods. I mean, I, I just like that in principle. In general, it sits better with me. I like feeling good. I like digestion being great. Um, and then If I want a drink in my off-season, I'll have one. Um, If I want some ice cream, I'll work that in. Um, But it's not something I'm reliant on. um, And that's just what works for me. So flexible dieting, and my idea, is sticking to, you know, whole macronutrient, micronutrient-dense foods, uh, minimizing processed items, and kicking ass. You know, when I'm in the gym... If I'm a little bit heavier, I'm still showing up to the gym. If I'm shredded, I'm still showing up to the gym. I'm still hitting my water and my supplements, I'm prioritizing sleep. You know, regardless of my body fat percentage, I live it, I breathe it, I love it. And I think you know that's something that you really have to ask yourself: is Are you willing to commit in your off season? Because people get pissed off that their physique hasn't changed, but they're not really working that hard in the off season. They start to work harder when they're dieting, and uh, you know you're not really building any muscle when you're in a deficit. You're trying to hold on to what you have. So just some food for thought uh, from Coach Kate here, but uh, this is where I'm going to end the Q&A and a little insight to trading, along with, you know, some, some personal Kate Randles rambles. Uh, So I hope you guys have a great day. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. If you have any more questions, uh, please, like I said, reach out to me on Instagram. Let me know what you want to see, who you want to hear from. um, And let's keep crushing it guys. So uh, peace out from Coach Kate. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.